Hey all, welcome to episode 5 of This is the Pits, featuring A River Runs Through It from 1992, directed by none other than Robert Redford. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, Google it, find a way to watch it, watch it, I think I paid $2.99 on Amazon, and then tune into this ep. It's a good one. Enjoy. Um, I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. It's nice and dreary, gloomy day out here in New York City. Love that you're keeping a positive attitude about it because you also just said it's been raining almost every day for the last six weeks. And you're like, it's nice and dreary. <laughs> I love the rain, especially Good a thing. hot summer rain. A hot yeah. summer rain. I've never experienced a New York hot summer rain. Well, I've never really experienced a New York anything because I've never been to New York. Um, Magic happens when it rains in New York in the summer. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Monkeys get married or something like that. Hmm? I don't know. I've, isn't there? I've heard like the saying where people are like, "Monkeys are getting married when it's raining and it's hot." No, but I heard someone say the other day, "There's mosquitoes out here so big they could fuck a chicken." <laughs> <laughs> I really liked that. <laughs> Damn, that's a big ass mosquito. Do mosquitoes yeah. have big old dicks, or they just they fuck the chicken with their with their blood their... sucker? Oh God, that's gross. <laughs> they they suck and fuck. Okay. All anyway, right. welcome to Coming In Hot. <laughs> nope, but that's not the name of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to This Is The Pits. Welcome to This Is The Pits. Um, so we're here to talk about a movie called A River Runs Through It. From 1992, starring a young Brad Pitt. Yeah. We've, um, we've already done 1992 trivia a lot. Yeah, I mean, look, if you guys don't know what's happening in 1992 by now, um, then you're just skipping around episodes, and you're going to need to go back and listen to the entire episodes of movies that you haven't seen. <laughs> All four of them. This is episode five. Yeah, episode five. We're really doing this. Mm-hmm. Moving right along. Just 70 uh, more to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that's God, we're going to be doing this for so long. I know. What fun. What joy. It's going to be great. Um so I guess we don't – there's not much to say about – and also like didn't um, Johnny Swade – didn't Johnny Swade um, come out in like the same time I think Johnny Swade this? came out a few months before but more importantly, Thelma and Louise has come out. So people now know who Brad Pitt is. The last couple of movies we've watched, he hasn't been really um, – He's just been that guy from Thelma and Louise. This movie, A River Runs Through It, is the, like, at the time, it was, hold on. <laughs> is there <laughs> stuff? Um, yeah, okay. It's okay. So, at the time, 1992, Brad Pitt was best known for Thelma and Louise, but just, like, as yeah. the guy from Thelma and Louise. Um, and A River Runs Through It kind of made him, like, the star, like, the actor, not just a hot guy. Yeah, it's funny how we've said with like most of the other movies that like <laughs> of the movies that we talked about, it, we we keep saying like, and then I think this is the movie that was kind of his breakout role. <laughs> we said that. I know. We said that every episode. But this movie is the first big budget movie that he made outside of Thumb and Louise. Outside of Cool World, Cool World had a big budget. Yeah, but that wasn't <laughs> Just like good. it wasn't production value budget. That was like the budget of animation. Yeah, no, it's true. This is the first movie where I think is this the first movie that he was in that won an Academy Award? Yeah, definitely. It won for best cinematography. 
And I was watching this video of him and Juliette Lewis at the premiere of the movie. And, you know, yeah. there's like a few of them. And one mm-hmm. of the ladies who's interviewing, I think it's HBO, I think. She goes, you know, you really caught our eye because of your behind, if you don't mind me saying. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you see that? And then he, and I he did. Goes, he goes and she goes, so, you know, we've only known you as the guy from Thelma and Louise. And he goes, well, we're about to we're changing all that. He's like, yeah, well, we're working one. on that or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And he's like he I think I think he didn't like that role very much. I think he was excited about it when he got it. But like I was I was bit, I was reading a bunch of interviews about him talking about um about a river runs through it and all of the interviewers want to bring up Johnny Swade and how it's like an indie movie that was weird and like took a long time to make and so it's coming out now even though he made it like before he was even in Thelma and Louise. Um, and they also bring out Thelma and Louise and he always has like some remark about Thelma and Louise. Like he has like, um, I think he thinks that he wasn't taken seriously because he, he I don't think he wasn't. And I think this role in this movie is like, this is a fucking serious, thoughtful role. It's like, yeah. He's like, now you're going to take me seriously as an actor and not just like the way that I look and not as this like idiot from Johnny Swade or like some fucking (laughs) guy who wants to fuck cartoons. Like now I'm a true actor. And it's really only been like one year, two years since he's been in. Two. Well, if if you count it from where we started, which is 1989, it's been like two and a half years, two and a half years. That's five feature films in two and a half years. That's crazy. Well, six. Six? Six. We, yeah, we did a double feature one time. But yeah, it's he's doing a lot. He's like busy. Right. He's busy. And he, he also was uh, something that we didn't even talk about, but he was like uh, the 501 Jeans guy. Like he did a, a whole campaign for them. He was? Yeah, I didn't know he that. Was. Yeah, he was. And it was because I was reading an interview where they were talking about Thelma and Louise and saying how like and he was like, this is a quote. He said, another sex symbol is boring. Just what the world needs. Another sex symbol, something to worship. (laughs) It's like, oh, and they and then the interviewer brought up the fact that he was in um, he was a 501 jeans guy. And he was like, you know, that was fun and all. I just didn't want to get pigeonholed as like the Levi jeans guy. Yeah, Um, I think he's super sensitive about being snap judged on his looks because it's so easy to do because he's because it is ridiculously easy to do (laughs) i mean here we go again yeah it's it's early this episode yeah this time it came on strong but well yeah because he's fucking in those river pants (laughs) they really (laughs) define his bottom yeah they cling when they're wet they cling (laughs) yeah um I, i actually read a bunch of things where they mentioned his cute butt he said like someone mentioned like his cute butt in a different interview and like because that's Gina. That's what Gina Davis says. Like, and he's got a cute butt. Yeah. Remember that line? In yeah, yeah. So that's like a, a thing that people say to him. And then someone said that to him and he like cut them off and he said, well, everything in the beginning is just a step. And that was one of them. Not to be like cocky or anything. <laughs> yeah. But he was like he really like shut it down. He was like, well, it's just I just. I did what I had to do, like as if he did a porno or something. He wanted to be taken seriously, and then he lands a role in a movie directed by Robert Redford. That is like the dream for an actor yeah. who wants to be taken seriously, and like a really yeah. like thoughtful, 
gorgeous movie. So much so that I read, did you read that he, um, he interviewed once and was like, felt so bad about it afterwards that he sent in a tape for a second interview to be like, no, Robert, like don't pay attention to the first one. Like I really want this role. And all the interviews about it, he's like, Robert Redford is like salt of the earth. Amazing man. Yeah. Um, and it was so wonderful to work with him. Isn't salt of the earth a bad thing? No, salt of the earth is like pure, like good grounded man. Damn, I've really You're fucked up a of bunch of insults. Pillars of salt, maybe? From the Bible? Uh, I feel like I've referred to somebody as salt of the earth when I was trying to say that I hated them. Let's define salt of the earth real quick. Maybe one day we'll have someone who will edit our podcast for us and do research for us so that you don't have to hear our clickings and our typings every time. Well, but it's fun because you know it's like a homebrew kind of situation. Okay, so the salt of the earth derives from the Bible. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if they shall have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Hmm. Uh, and it's so that still doesn't. Is it good or bad? That doesn't make any sense to me. It's basic. Okay, it's it's an individual or a group considered as representative of the best or noblest elements of society. Oh, so it's good. Yeah, it's good. That's what I'm saying. He's like a salt of the earth, like true guy represents. Represents the good, the good in, in men. Well, Lottie freaking da. I mean, he's Robert Redford. Robert Redford and Brad Pitt worshipped him. Like Brad, in all of the interviews about this movie, he always kept saying, weirdly, like, okay, Brad Pitt's a little bit of a weirdo. Just gonna go ahead and throw that out there. I'm so thrilled that you say that. I was watching the interviews. It's interesting watching him on screen and acting. And this is what I'm like. Oh, he's a good actor because he comes off in interviews. Like a little bit of a weirdo, like a kind of a ditz. Yeah. Um, maybe we should t- talk about the movie for a minute because we um, jumped right into into the part about BP, but we haven't even talked about the movie. Like we both watched it yeah, and we both have some feelings about it, maybe different feelings because I feel like I feel like our feelings are not going to feel the same feel. Yeah, I I'm very curious. We haven't even spoken a single thing about this movie. Not even like a, oh my God, can't wait to talk about it text. Which we've done a few times because this is a serious movie. It's not like a Johnny Swade where it was like, oh my God, no. Or like Cool World, like, oh my God, what the fuck are we watching? This one yeah, is like I pretty was straightforward. Boiling over with, yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, but yeah. you had never seen this movie before, right? Correct. I had seen you, it. Uh, I think I saw it a few times when I was a kid and I think, and I remember really liking it. So let's get your take. Well, here's the thing. What I did not know, I didn't look up anything about it going into it, mm-hmm. which I like to do because sometimes when you watch a trailer of a movie, they give you like the first three and a half or first two and a half acts of the movie so that all that's left to watch in the movie is just how it ends. But you know the whole story. I agree. And I, have, I think we should make a rule for this podcast in general. Unless we've seen the movie before, because we will have seen a lot of the movies before. I don't think we should yeah. watch anything about them. And in fact, I think we should research afterwards so that we're not influenced uh-huh. at all. Oh, yeah. And that's what I've been doing. Yeah, me too. Uh, because I, I, I don't want to go in there with like an idea. Like Cool World, I mean, I could have watched the trailer for Cool World and I still probably would not have been ready for it. But, yeah. but this movie, I would have gone into it going like, oh, boy, this is going to be 
boring because the thing is, is I did think it was boring. Did you? you thought it was boring. I thought it was boring. Yeah. Well, here's the deal because it was like um, a fly fishing movie, which I didn't really see coming. I don't know. Like I thought there was going to be it was going to be sadder or something, but it was really just like kind of a slice of life movie to me. Like it was just a lot of pensive, like a lot of thinking, a lot of footage of people thinking, which I don't like, like watching somebody think is not good (laughs) filmmaking. It's not interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. I remember liking it a lot more as a kid. Um, I mean, I still really liked it because it's Mm -hmm. gorgeous. I mean, it looks so nice. And I live in the concrete jungle of New York City. And to see all of Montana like that, I really loved. And to see Brad Pitt, like, play a role that I think really suited him. That thoughtful kind of a role. I think, yeah, in some ways. But, like, I don't know. He he was doing that, that thing where... I could really see him acting. You know what I mean? I felt like he was so acting. So I felt the same way, but then I was thinking, because we're watching the movie for him, is he always going to seem like he's acting because we're seeing... We're starting to see so many different shades. But, yeah, well, not only that, but also, like, we are watching to talk about him. So it's like when you go to see a play and someone you know is in the play and you don't know if they're good or bad because you're just looking at them the whole time, you know, if they're in the background. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Oh, yeah. And you completely forget <laughs> what you're watching. Yeah. Yep. Like it happens all or the time. Like, yeah, I guess that's true. I do sometimes like go in and out because I'm like, wow, look at Brad Pitt really just acting right now. And we say that every time. I, know, and I think was, he was. And I think he genuinely was. I mean, he's being directed by Robert fucking Redford. It's a dream. Yeah, seriously. It's I mean, like for him. It's a huge deal. And yeah. it's so easy. It's also easy now to look back at it because we he we know what he eventually becomes. Right. But like for him right now, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He He's just a, a, a little whippersnapper and this is a huge deal. He's working with Robert Redford when Robert Redford was like a big deal. King of the universe. Yeah. So it's um, – yeah, it's definitely like you can tell it's a big deal for him. But it's also very 90s, the way that that movie, like the way that the pacing and the 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 style of the the storytelling, you know, it's like mm-hmm. it, it yeah. is it's pretty to look at. But like the way that the characters interact with each other is just 90s. It's very slow. It's very like and also there's a narrator throughout the whole thing, which is which is we, Robert Redford, by the way. I know. But we used to they used to do that all the time with movies. I can't remember one that's fully narrated the whole time, like. Narrators yeah. come in and come out. Like he's narrating the passage of time, which kind of speaks to your point of like, this is moving slowly, so we need to actually explain to our viewers like what they're watching with words. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the other thing is like, um, making books into movies wasn't. I mean, actually, I shouldn't say this because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but. I feel like now making books into movies is very, very common and mm, popular. I think in the history of movies, books became – I think it's like a – I think now people are lazier about it and there's a lot more books to make movies out of. But I think historically movies have always been made from books like The Wizard of Oz and – Oh, yeah. That's true. Gone with well, the Wind and <laughs> – Yeah. OK. Fair enough. <laughs> um, 
Point taken. Um, I, you idiot. <laughs> like I said, I'm glad I didn't go strong with that statement because I was really about to take a stand with that point. Like, yeah, I know. I can sense it. They didn't I to make... pull... <laughs> yeah. I had to pull you back from the ledge. I was like, actually, let me just think about what I'm about to say for a second, which is good because I don't usually think about what I'm going to say before I say it. Um, anyway, I, what I was going to say, though, is that I think that part of the reason that they had a narrator for this is that the, like Robert Redford probably – loved the book and wanted to make the movie um, as true to the book as possible and try to capture all of the things about the book that he loved, and which means putting a lot of content into a movie. And you mm-hmm. can't – you have to – like having a narrator is kind of a necessary driving force for that to happen. Yeah. I think also what I read about the making of the movie is that Robert Redford like courted the guy who wrote it um, – Norman McLean, mm-hmm. um, like for years and years and years and like sent him letters and courted him and like, cause McLean was like, no, I don't want to make this into a movie. I don't believe in Hollywood. Like he was a true Montana guy. Like yeah, he wrote the book about himself and his brother. So it was a super personal thing and other people had tried to make it. And Robert Redford was like, I love your story. I want to make your story. I think it like rang true for him. Um, he actually said the book was a love poem to Norman's family. Uh, they were a deeply loving family, but the members didn't understand each other. Their lives went into the dark area with, when the questions become, how does one ask for help? How does one give help? What part of oneself does one give? All these questions are rolled into the big question of love and helping and understanding one another. These are the questions that interested me. Yeah, see, like I sort of fell asleep that during that. Like that was a, <laughs> like hearing like the movie and talking about like when hearing people who loved the movie talk about it, I'm like, can can we? Are we faking it? Are we pretending? Cause no, it's, because no, really... because I loved it. I I really. Here's the thing. I also watched it in two parts because I've had a really busy week. So I watched one hour and then I watched another hour this morning. Mm. Um. But no, I think it's a solid movie. If you're, but not necessarily for entertainment's sake, which I know is counterintuitive. Yeah. It's more of just like the questions that are raised. Um. Like, if you can distill a movie into, like, little bits. So, like, you have the cinematography, which is obviously great. And you have the story, which is actually not really that overwhelming of a story. It's just, like, a family that has a shared passion and one of them dies. Right? Yeah. One of them tries to... Yeah. That's basically the story. Like, that's, like, the plot. Yeah, But then within that story is the like, I find myself when I'm watching slow movies like this, like what, what are they trying to tell me? Like, what do I have, I have to think a little bit harder for this? The other thing about this film, which I think lends to the slowness is that in it's, it's set in the, it starts in 1910. I think it ends in 1935 and I, and like romance and stories in those times are just like much less dramatic, you know, like. The big plot line with his sister and her and her brother, like that wouldn't be yeah. a, that would her not. Her brother is a total fuckboy. Her brother's a total fuckboy who gets sunburnt and then she's mad at her boyfriend, and it's like that. That is such a j- jaded and old school way of thinking that our brains aren't like. Why is that interesting? Like, wh- why do I care that he's an alcoholic who got sunburned? You know. Yeah, but I I don't know. I feel like I just think like take. Take me there. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm supposed to care so much about this, get put, buckle me in. How put would me you in my have little done car it? seat. Let me hear how you would do it. 
Look, I wouldn't have made this movie. (laughs) (laughs) What would you add to the movie to make it up to your standards? I think, okay, uh, first of all, I'm sensing a bit of a a tone. No, 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 no tone, no (laughs) tone. I'm just curious. Okay, I don't know. I mean, because you're a writer of scripts. For those who don't know, Michael is also a filmmaker. So I'm asking out of curiosity, not out of condescension. (laughs) Okay, well, I don't. I, I truly don't know. I think I probably would have done taken. I wouldn't have tried to fit all of that into the whole thing. I would have made it made it into one section of the life and maybe just filled in certain – like the relationship with the dad or something and like – it just seemed like a lot to try to put into one movie so that it wasn't able to like – then again, I guess like the whole movie was about like life and so like it made sense to show – the arc of life in general. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It was like you said earlier. It's a slice of life movie, and most lives really aren't that interesting in terms of film. And the most interesting thing about their life was that they were fly fishers. Well, no, but that... see that. But then here's where I want to go into the, like, it was something that fly fishing was something that brought three distinct personalities together. And mm-hmm. in fact, my favorite part of the movie is when they go fishing with their dad at the end and he gets, he catches the big fish. You yeah. know, I really like it. And the it. dad is smoking on the, yeah. yeah. There is some real actory bits. There's some real, like, this makes no sense kind of over. There's like some indulgent moments. Yeah. I'd say. For sure. um, but I guess I couldn't help but think I kept, my brain kept wanting to pit the two brothers against each other, like in across the tracks. Like I, I liked that, there was never any dissonance between them. They they truly did like each other throughout the whole thing, but I kept expecting them to get into a fight or like... They did get... In, they got into one fight. Yeah, but when they were chickens, they got into a fight. I'm talking like... They got into a fight because they someone knocked mom over. <laughs> no, no. They knocked over mom during the course the of the fight. What was the fight about? It was like... Oh, you want to have sardines on your sandwich. <laughs> yeah. No, that's... I was going to bring that up. Why did they start fighting? Okay. Because they were competing and the little brother won. And then he came home and was like, I'm going to assert myself. And he was like, Mm-mm. no, they weren't competing. They went down the, they went down the waterfall together, together. Yeah. But Norman didn't want to go down that waterfall and he followed his younger brother's lead. So I think if anything, to make it more interesting, even though again, I did like it and I thought it was great for what it was. Yeah. What would have been interesting was to follow Paul, Brad Pitt, into the like gambling zones and like see why he was murdered. Like he's murdered at the end of the. It's sort of like they spend the whole movie setting up the lives, and then at the very end, it's like, oh, he's dead, and it's because he's an alcoholic with with a gambling problem. And you're like, wait, but you didn't develop that at all. We just saw Norman like extremely slowly courting this girl. Yeah, and also, like, a weird part where, like, they're all drinking outside, and then Brad Pitt's like, gotta go, and he's like, oh, where's he going? And he's like, oh, he's gonna go to the tables. And they're like, oh, okay. But it's, like, <laughs> it's all like, in the, but you're right, like, it's all in the, like, looks, like, Norman's disappointed face, and Norman's, like, turned on face, and his scared face. And then, like, pensive Robert Redford's voice saying like and that was the time that i realized yeah <laughs> it's like eh. and that's was the, that was a distillation of all that's good in the world and blah blah, blah. 
Um, yeah. I read it. Also, I read, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just going to read off some random notes that I had, but mm. go ahead. Mm-mm. Go. All right. Random notes that I have. I said, oh, wow. Hi, little Joseph Gordon-Levitt. What yeah, that was the first, first note role. that I wrote down. I actually didn't take a lot of notes through this one. That was the only, well, one, of the, one of the only ones. I took a few. I took a lot. Damn, he has a full handwritten. I've been taking notes on my computer. Yeah, well, okay. I, yeah, I like to handwrite because it gives me something to do with my fingers because if I'm on my computer while I'm watching the movie, I'm just going to go on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, other notes. Um, do you ever look at old background actors and just wonder if they're dead yet? Yeah, and can can I pause to talk about background actors really quickly? Yeah, let's have a background moment. So they're at a hootenanny the night he meets the girl. Mm-hmm. And all of the people playing the instruments are like literally so <laughs> overacting and not even remotely in time. There's a guy playing the trumpet <laughs> when there's no trumpet to be heard. And like the drummer's like wiling out to like some like classy, you know, 20s. I didn't even Eva. notice that. I it love that. drove me crazy. In fact, all of the background actors throughout the whole movie are like, I wonder if Robert Redford has a thing where he's like, okay, really act now. Or it was like, I don't know. If I saw that in the theater, would I not have noticed? Am I just well, being too I didn't critical? Notice. I fucking noticed, and it drove me crazy. I, I only noticed that some of those, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's because they're out in the prairie that I was just thinking about. <laughs> I was just thinking about like, God what a life like how slow would your life feel if you lived way the fuck out there and then i was thinking like like look at those poor people and like those are just actors though and i'm like but they're old are they just starting acting now and then i was like i wonder if they're still alive and i wonder if they ever (laughs) like wonder oh you really went you really had a lot you were really bored by this movie because you took a journey in your own head yep and i had to write down the note like i wonder if background actors are dead well you know that yes they are eventually (laughs) some of them some of them are but i wonder like Oh, yeah. I, I think I was bored by this movie because I was like, I wonder what their stories are. Yeah, that means you were bored by the movie. I. But it was in the very beginning that I thought that, so. I think that often about a lot of people, like, who get cast as background or, like, movie yeah. background, and you're like, do they go home and, like, that's their claim to fame. They never get cast in anything else, but they're, like, at the, the like, the party in the movie, you know? Yeah. I, I had a friend who used to live in New York and he was a background actor in New York for a while. And like, that was his job. Like he was just a background actor and stuff and he did it for like, like six months or something like that. That was just his job. He just yeah. every day, every few days you just go do some background acting. Oh God. I hate background. Yeah. He did too. That's what, Oh, you hate background actors. I hate one. The first like big show that I had that had a lot of background on it. I was, I was a running base camp for the show Luck on HBO as a PA. And I had to, then they switched me off base camp and told me to deal with the background. And every background actor is like, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I have a headache. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck about you. Like you are, you have nothing to do with this movie. But to them, it's like, this is the most important. I mean, I'm sorry, everybody. This is why I got out of scripted stuff. Cause I hate the importance. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, wow. You feel strongly about those actors. I hate them. <laughs> Sometimes I totally know what you mean. I really know what you mean. On on some TV show that I'm not going to I'm not going to name out loud, but it's a TV show that films up here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I know some of the PAs who ran Base Camp 
would regularly have sex with background actors. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think that that's relatively normal. Background I, I, actors I, I, are the thirstiest fucking <laughs> actors that exist. <laughs> and they are willing to spend hours in holding, like drinking their pints, like half pint water bottles. And they're like, maybe if you're lucky, you get a slice of pizza, but most likely you get like rolled gold pretzels. <laughs> and you're coming to me who's busy trying to hear cues. And they're like, mm, uh, where's the bathroom? I'm like, I've literally spent all morning pasting bathroom signs up. Open your goddamn <laughs> eyes. Yeah. Or when they say, when are we going to rap? And you're like, go away. Yeah, <laughs> Please when's go away. lunch? And you're like, fuck you. I've been up for 70 <laughs> hours. I woke up at 4 a.m. so that I could make holding for you. Anyway. Enough. Uh, back to River Enough of State. that. Yeah. <laughs> so my next random note that I wrote down. <laughs> I don't know um, how much of that we're going to keep in this podcast. Yeah, we really went on a pretty hard rant against background <laughs> actors. Sorry, everybody. Look, it's a, it's a necessary thing, yes. and yes. they're super important. You're super they are important, though. and also, like, it is a good way to get seen, and if you are one of those people that you, you know, I, it's great. I'm sorry. It's just Here's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to say this. Brad Pitt was a background actor in three movies, so... That's right. I mean, it's a necessary evil. You've got to do it. I'm an asshole. I understand that. I took myself out of that position for a reason. Yeah, you weren't the one for the job, and that's okay. And even in reality TV, most of the shows that I've been in, everybody's like, oh, come meet the fucking cast. And I'm like, they're not humans to me. I'm okay. not good with All people right. who go in front of the camera. We were, we were doing good. We were getting away from it, and now you're back to <laughs> saying they're not humans. All right, let's so. get back to M- Missoula, Montana, 1919. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. There's one moment where the other lead actor, I forget the actor's name. I should look it up out of respect. Um, his name was Craig Sheffer. Craig Schaefer. Yeah. Craig Schaefer. Schaefer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there was a moment where he was like sitting in church and like, you could see him like really enjoying church and he was like really loving it. <laughs> and I just wrote down, you can trick me into thinking that you enjoy fishing, but you can't trick me into thinking that you enjoy church. <laughs> I'm glad you brought Craig Schaefer up because I find him to, I found him to be so creepy. Okay, good. I thought you were going to say that you found him to be not human again. And I was like, we really have <laughs> no, to stop. No, 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 no. All right. Let me just, you know what? Don't take me too seriously. You're obviously humans. I just don't want to engage with you. <laughs> <laughs> Stop trying to defend it. You're making it worse. Okay. Okay. I'm not a bad person. I just don't like humankind. Please stop trying to defend it. It's over. They know. They get it. You're not a bad person. That was not the job for you. Yeah, it wasn't the job for me. Anyway, Craig Schaefer thought he was really creepy the whole time. Like I wasn't endeared to him at all. And it's interesting because he is the one who's supposed to be speaking and he's the one who's like supposed to be Norman. Yeah. Um, and I didn't like him. I was annoyed by him and I I hated his sneer and more importantly, I really hated his hair. His really hair. didn't like it. Yeah, it was like two little curls oh, on yeah. top. I might have known when we get to the hair section of this podcast, I really want to throw him under the bus. Okay. Well we will drag him when it comes to we'll hair. Drag time. him through the river <laughs> where he belongs. Yeah, he's gonna run through that river. I couldn't tell, though, if he was a good actor because I – he did make a lot of facial expressions, you know? 
Yeah, I kept making like weird eye contact with the vein on his forehead, and yeah. it He's wasn't really working. Creasy. He's got a lot of creases, and not in a Willem Dafoe sort of like intriguing way. Yeah, in like uh, a Play-Doh kind of a way. Yeah, a Play-Doh. Yeah, you know, he does have like a hard, lumpy face. <laughs> he has a lumpy face. Sorry, Craig Schaefer. When you, yeah, when you when you obviously listen to this, <laughs> it's nothing personal. <laughs> Yeah, You're just we're not really... a human being. <laughs> yeah, there it is. See, I knew it was coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were trying to find a nice way to say that you didn't think it was human. Yeah, well. <laughs> if you're Let's actor. see if Tom. He's still yeah, the dad is still alive. He's still alive. He's like really old now. He's like 90. Yeah, Tom well, he Scarrett. looked. Oh, 90. Whoa. He's, he's really old. Wait. He was born in 1933. So yeah, he's like eighty something. Yeah, eighties. Wild, wild country. He was old when they made it. The guy who the who wrote the book, which was a short story, by the way, not a, a full short novel. story. Yeah, it was like novella. 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 Um, he died in nineteen ninety. Ah, never got he to didn't see even... the movie. Bummer. He probably would have been disappointed. Yeah, and then they interviewed um, Robert Redford. They. Capital They interviewed Robert yeah. Redford, and he was like, "You know what? I'm not sad he didn't see it because I don't know if I would have done him justice." Because <laughs> he yeah. was so, he, the guy was so protective of the story because exactly. he wrote it as an homage to his dead brother, and we're like sitting here talking about Lumpy Face McGee and Brad Pitt's <laughs> ass, <laughs> really doing justice <laughs> to his yeah, brother's legacy. Look, you can make this movie as artsy and filmy as you want, but at the end of the day. Two people, 30 years later, <laughs> are going to just boil it down to what it truly is, which is a potato head and a nice butt. <laughs> fishing. Yeah. Fucking fishing. Yeah. Okay. There was one scene that I really liked, which was when the Indian woman is introduced. Okay. Like, here's the deal with that. Where, <laughs> like, she went away. What she, the fuck? That's what I was going to say. If they had just stayed on that, like, sort of subversive, like, that was an obvious thinker. That was, like, an obviously engaging moment. And then yeah, she totally. was gone. Totally. And you know what? I thought that, like, in when, when that happened, I thought, like, oh, cool, the movie's starting. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. I was like, this is great. Like, I wasn't really, like, like, Brad Pitt, like, you know, at this point, when he shows up on screen, it doesn't always, like, you know, make me feel funny inside um, anymore because, I, like, you know, I got it now. But it's like now it's like when he does stuff that really makes gets me going. And so when That's he defended Yeah, so when he started defending his Native American girlfriend, um I was like, "Ooh." Like, "Hi." Yeah. You know what I, mean? like, I know. It got, it got I me. do know exactly what you mean because I felt the same way and that's another thing about watching this movie having watched 5 weeks of Brad Pitt movies in a row. Oof, At first, yeah. I was like, I, I was like, I'm not like into him, whatever. And then there's like a few moments throughout where I'm just like, God damn, it's undeniable. Like he is so yes. charming and so good looking. Like when he catches the big fish at the end and he's like smiling and like the water's glinting off of him and he, he like <laughs> genuinely looks really happy. I, I, I have to say, there were some really like truly good acting moments for him in this movie, where yeah. he's playing, where he did good. You don't have to agree with me, Michael. You don't have no, to. No, I'm, 
<laughs> Sorry, could just sense it in the way that I said. Yeah, yeah you're like, yeah, well, he's the worst actor. <laughs> he's not a human being, and <laughs> no, that's you. I, they're all human beings, and any of you are welcome to come over for dinner, and we can have a conversation. Except um, for if you're a background actor, don't step foot. <laughs> um, unless you're Brad Pitt, because he was a background actor. Anyway, I don't care. look, I don't we're not like going to do this Pitt. right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but he does, he, a uh, quick note, side note about all of the moments where they're in the water and stuff. Um, when he, at the, at the beginning, when they're doing the going over the rapids or whatever they called them, they called the funny name for them. Yeah. They, shoot the shoots. Yeah. But, okay. Whatever. Shoot the shoots. <laughs> no, 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 the like, rapids nice... are the shoots. I know. I know what they are. I, I know thought what I that mean they, the when they brought that up. Another side note, I thought that they were talking about, like, Indians. Like, let's go shoot the shoot <gasps> Indians. And then it took me a minute to be like, oh, they're not going to try to kill anyone. They were just trying to, like, conquer the rapids. Yeah. It, it, yeah. They're, in, old, in old period pieces like this, especially when it's from, like, the 90s. Yeah. Like, the 80s. I'm like, is something racist about to happen? <laughs> exactly right. Exactly <laughs> you know? right. Um, so, no, but so when they shoot the shoots, those those guys are fully, like almost dying like they're like there's a good chance that oh, they're gonna die they have broken necks and his friend their friends are just like like whoa ooh, are they gonna are you guys gonna do it like you're really gonna do it and it's like dude they're gonna die like, <laughs> stop do them from doing it yeah they're wasted get them out of the water this is a bad idea but i mean that's um, hardcore and then rural living babe yeah what okay and wow, they're so let's fast. talk about continuity here let's talk about storylines and plots i got news for you paul mclean never changed his ways he was always a risk taker and that's why he was killed okay looping that's it back. true starting with the Look shoots that. ending with the end of a shoot when the, the he's on the other end of the shoot that time a different exactly, kind of shoot. exactly right um and then the other moment in the water when brad pitt is trying to catch that fish and it's really giving him a hard time <laughs> he was battling that fish that scene and, was like a mishmash of continuity errors like no. crazy one minute he's wearing a hat one minute he's like ankle deep then he's underwater then it's oh yeah i on. love how he was fully like neck deep and then like all of, and then like it cuts and he's ankle deep yeah and you're like oh he's he's good now yeah you're like um, oh he had a hat on then he doesn't have a hat on oh now his shirt's dry yeah, yeah. <laughs> um robert redford mis- get your shit together yeah, ever heard of a script supervisor? It's their whole thing. Um, yeah, he almost died, and his dad and brother were really on the side, like smiling, smoking, not even, not even flinching. Like, whoop, he's gone. Like he went under the water for a minute, and they didn't even flinch. They were like, ah, he's he must be wrestling the fish or something. It's yeah. like, you idiot, he's gonna They're die. Like, Look at him go. Well, he's been doing crazy stuff like that his whole life. He's never gotten. Relooping it back, maybe with the gambling was the same scenario where they were just sitting on the sidelines smoking, going, Oh, look at him go. He's he'll figure it out. You no. know what I mean? Norman tried to offer him money and he said, I don't want no money from you. And then I think they didn't talk for a while. Like, I think that was supposed to be a bit of a fight when after Norman bailed him out of jail the first time. I yeah, feel like we he... were supposed to have some tension there. Yeah, and when he asked him to come to Chicago, I mean, there was a few times that Norman did try to get him out of it. He said, "He said I could pay your debts," and then he got him out of jail, and he said, "I could pay your debts again," and then he took him to Chicago, or he offered to take him to Chicago. And um, so, in true life, 
he actually did go to Chicago and he died in Chicago, not in Montana. Robert from Redford. gambling. Yeah, he was beaten up in an alley in Chicago from gambling. <laughs> I love how he keeps saying from gambling, like it's <laughs> gambling. He died from gambling. It's an addiction. It's it an is. Addiction. You know, it's and it's a serious addiction. I think that I could. I don't want to like trivialize people who are actually addicted to gambling because I know it's a real problem. Yeah. But I could see myself being addicted to gambling. I make a bet once a month. <laughs> I have a $1,000 bet over a game of chess. It's actually, we canceled the bet what? because, yeah, I, my friend Jamie and I made a bet. He was really drunk one night and he beat me in chess. And I'll, he was like, I bet you $1,000 that you'll never beat me in chess for 365 days. And I was like, accepted. Um, but then he beat me like 15 times in a row or something. And then I moved to New York. So we called the bet off because unless we're playing monthly, it doesn't make sense, but I could have made a thousand dollars. I have hundred, I have like random hundred dollar bets with almost all of my friends. <laughs> I love that. You're so confident that you could have made a thousand dollars. Um, 365 days, one day I get him a little drunk. He fucking loses. <laughs> Sounds like he's pretty good at chess. Like he made that, he, Made that bet. He was drunk and cocky. Listen, I'm not saying he's way better at chess than me. I'm just saying I have 365 days to beat him. I'm not that bad of a chess player. <laughs> and you can look up on YouTube how to be good at chess. Oh, like you can I get read, to... I've read like three books on chess. My game, there was a couple times where I like <clears throat> got real close and he got scared and then he didn't want to play for a week or two. Because the thing about a gamble like that is that it makes the fun of chess, like the fun of the game so not fun for one of the people playing it because at any minute he could lose a thousand dollars it's more fun when you have a chance of winning a thousand dollars than when you have a chance of losing well, no i mean i would have to pay him but i would i had a year but you had a year exactly you would start to get nervous towards the end of the oh year my God. i was relieved actually when we called it off because what if like just for ego alone what if i didn't beat him in 365 days i loved that i that i i mean i I wish I'm glad to know this about you that you love gambling because Ooh. I can go to Las Vegas and sit at a blackjack table Me for literally too. five to six hours straight, just drinking and smoking. It's I don't even like smoke thing. cigarettes that much now, but when I'm in Vegas, I will buy a pack mm. and smoke the whole pack. Just oh, sitting honey, at the table. sitting at the table, it's just it's let's go to uh, Vegas. Three. Okay, we're recording maybe we should, up maybe we should record Ocean's Eleven in Vegas. <gasps> That's an idea. <laughs> That'll be in a year. <laughs> oh my god! Ooh, how fun! I can't wait. I love Vegas. I love Vegas. I wonder too. if we can record it. Oh, ooh, I got. We're gonna. I got ideas for that. Yeah, we're fully going to do that. Yeah, okay. I love that. Um, anyway, oh, I can't wait to go to Vegas. I know. We're I love gamble. Vegas. Here's the thing. I love Vegas for 48 hours, and then I say, "Fuck yeah. you, Vegas. I'm out." It's it gets old, and let's go during like the week in like April or yeah. something. It's we're not. not pay, we're not paying heavy prices. You know what I'm saying? No. I want to. Oh. I want to get a big ass room for like not that much money. Yeah, and it'll be our podcast studio, and then like watch us. Gambling addicts, like <laughs> six months leave. Down the line. <laughs> just like sitting I in know. our suite at the Caesar's Palace. <laughs> We're like, we just decided to stay in Vegas and record uh, Ocean's Twelve and Thirteen as well. While yeah. we're here, yeah. we're gonna be here for. A few um, wow, we have really <laughs> gone off the tracks. Well, now. not really, because gambling, gambling, Gamb gambling, gambling, gambling. We're gamblers. We're going to. Spend all of our life savings 
uh, at <laughs> Casino. <laughs> Morongo. Anyway. All right. Uh, let me see. Let's see, like, another note that I have. Um, oh, is it Neil? Neil. Neil is the brother of that girl who she was trying to date. Douche. I wrote that total douche, but I got to say, I love his girlfriend. She is an absolute mess. <laughs> She's an is absolute you... mess with no shame. <laughs> no shame. She like crawls butt ass naked into that thing and she's like, you got a drink? I'm dried out. <laughs> she's like totally naked. And they're like, I keep yeah, looking girl. at her thinking like that girl must smell so bad. She looked yeah. like a smelly person. I like, you know what? And when she was in the bar, she didn't look like like the archetype of girl who you can take home. She looked like a rough and rowdy yeah. kind of cow. She, and I thought she was going to be a different character. Yeah, me too. Because the narrator's like, she won, like, Miss Montana. Like, she was like, people loved her. Um, Yeah, and then she was just like a louse. A true thought. Yeah, she was a thought. <laughs> yeah. She was a thought in the truest form. It's really interesting. It's not really interesting, but I read an article, like a someone's review of this movie mm-hmm. on their on the twenty first the twentieth anniversary of this movie. Um, there was all these articles written about it, and some guy's perspective was like the movie was great. It's really beautiful. Robert Redford's a genius, but like, it's really unfair to the women. Like, where's the female gaze? Like, why wasn't it's the the women were shortchanged because their stories weren't developed. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck you. This isn't a story about the women. It's a story about very clearly yeah. the story about brothers. Like it I is hate, about brothers. I hate reviews <laughs> like that though, except for the oh, yeah. Indian girl did get, she just was gone. She got shortchanged. She that did. was weird because, because I was excited about that. Like what happened? Like what? Ha- she just went away. Like yeah. they totally started this like, cool thing where like brad pitt was very hot when he was like telling them like fight me bro you know yeah. what i mean like he was like was i don't hot. care about your rules like everybody's equal opportunity nobody is like different or i mean that was a nice good storyline that you could sink your teeth in it, and get really, behind exactly and it was like a, a real story i think the last we saw of her was when um what's her name was like i love your hair and then it like went away and then that was it that, that like, was kind of it, right? it? Yeah, no, girl, it looks great. And then that was it. Yeah, she was gone. Yeah, there's a, there's a movie, and there is another River Run. There's River Runs Through It too, Electric Boogaloo, where we follow that storyline, <laughs> and it's like a romance. Yeah. And we follow, like, how she reacts to his death. You know, I was creating this, like, plot line in my head. Her brother never liked Brad Pitt. Yeah, Paul maybe. McLean. Okay, another note that I had, um, though, was... That there were no animals harmed in the making of this film. I know. Can you believe it? Like, there's so many. And while I was watching it, and I kept seeing them like have all these fish, I was like, those fish are alive. They were either like had a long, slow, painful death, or they went way out of their way to make sure no animals were harmed. And I'm glad to know it was the latter and not the former. Yeah, they tied like filament around their lower jaw or something. I read a thing about it. Yeah, they they and they had like the Montana animal, like protection group there and everything. Oh wait, but back to the thing where you said about female gays, how it was shortchanged. Um, uh, I think that this movie, if <laughs> if there's any movie that is 
kind of like the like a, a quintess not quintessential but like a really flat basic example of the male gaze it would be this movie because it's literally so much of it is about fishing and there's so few small details in the movie about like their life and story and and just like shit like that like it's really just like truly mostly about fishing and like <laughs> like when you think about do you know what i'm saying you know what i'm trying to say like as far as male gaze goes it's like to to this guy his whole life has been like my dad kind of blurs the line between religion and fishing and uh you know my brother's weird and he's kind of got a gambling problem he didn't really want to come with me he eventually he died from it but really at the end of the day a river runs through it you know i see what you're saying i respectfully will give it a little bit more credit than that like i okay. think that this guy well, at least in the novella and the, the intention behind the book was to preserve the memory of someone loved and lost in a time when people didn't really talk about love in the way that we do in the modern day. Like, yeah, that's they don't true. they don't say like, I love you, son. It's like they express their love for each other through the medium of fishing, which is a godlike experience. And love is godlike. I mean, you could take it really extreme on that regard but i think that ultimately yeah it's more about expression than it is about like male versus the female gaze like the, no the, for sure the novel was written, it's like, written sort of by, as a an, male. by a male like as an homage to his dead brother yeah no, i mean i totally agree i i didn't mean to like completely minimize it by saying it's just like to that guy, nothing yeah. matter. <laughs> that's not really exactly what I meant, but it, yeah. it is kind of what I meant. I mean, it, no, it's well, like that's what whole... I was saying earlier. If you distill it down to pure plot, <laughs> that is exactly the case. Yeah. No. Yeah. But it is like about like, uh, like, a love that was lost between brothers. Um, but like through a male perspective, like if this movie was, like a love that was lost between sisters, it would be so different and like so 100%. many, you know what I mean? So like in, in that way, that's what I mean. Like as a male gaze, like from the perspective of a male gaze, that's how it was. This whole relationship played out in his perspective. Exactly. Like I think a woman's perspective would have been a lot more um, like little women-y where like you, yeah. there's no, there's no, doubt that the sisters love each other immensely we only see that the the two brothers and the dad love each other like from a sly smile here or there or like an admirational wink you know like and again I, I, it's interesting because i looked at the two brothers and i kept expecting a rivalry to happen and i wonder if yeah. you're supposed to feel that way there like, was you know what feel I was going to say there is actually a little bit of a rivalry because of how popular Paul is when he comes back. Remember, he comes back from school and like Paul's like Mr. Popular, Mr. Newspaper writer. And like he's mm -hmm. like, wait, what? Like everyone knows who he is. And he's like, yeah, he's the, you yeah, know, because the Paul was effortlessly cool. Yeah, and he didn't Brad try. And Norman was like, it was it goes back. I mean, I'll get real deep here. It goes back to when they were talking about what they wanted to be when they were kids and he was like, I want to be a boxer or I want to be a preacher because like, these are the two molds that I can fit in. And he goes to Paul, like, what do you want to be? And he's like, I don't know, a fly fisherman. It's like, I don't care. I'm like, I just live the way I want to live. I'm not trying to like be my dad's favorite son 
or like a famous boxer. Right. I might be overthinking it, but no, I think I think that uh, that's a good observation. Um, okay, so we should we should um, now we've we've kind of gone through the movie. Mm-hmm. We sort of earlier we were talking a little bit about Brad Pitt and his association with the movie and all that stuff, and there's not a whole lot more to say about what Brad Pitt um, like his take after the movie like what what this what his takeaway from this movie was i think i think he felt uh, the sense i get is that he felt really good about um the fact that it was a film like it was a a a film johnny suede tried to be a serious movie but it wasn't exactly what brad pitt wanted Mm -hmm. although he did have a lot of good things to say about uh tom decello tom decello or whatever his name was Mm -hmm. um he always has good things to say about directors who are film directors like yeah, i'm interested to see how that progresses yeah well he he liked redford i mean of course obviously he liked sandy tongue according to sandy tongue um he liked he i didn't really see him say anything about um uh, uh what's the director of thumb and louise what's his name again um ridley scott yeah i didn't see him say anything about ridley scott although he wasn't giving a ton of interviews but i he didn't – I feel like he – I feel like – I mean this is complete conjecture, but I think he probably like doesn't want – didn't want to acknowledge Thelma and Louise because he wanted yeah. this moment. Like he wanted no, I agree. the moment here to happen. Um, he trained for this movie for four weeks on a rooftop in L.A. He I love that. On a rooftop. Yeah, that – I love that idea that he – I could totally – how romantic like, is that? It's Brad so, Pitt on a rooftop as the sun sets over the Hollywood sign. <laughs> why? Why is the sun setting in this picture? Because it is for romantic. me too. It's it makes romantic. sense. It's just it's like true. that Hollywood. You know that like gold light of LA that happens. It's a true thing. Yeah. No, I do. It's like Magical. a very specific because it's like a warm golden. It's for golden hour. Um, he's still dating um, Juliet Lewis in this, and get this, he goes with her to the Oscar. So, River runs through it is nominated for Best Cinematography and Best Screenwriting, I think. Mm-hmm. But he went to the Oscars with Juliette Lewis, who won an Oscar that year for Best Supporting Actress. Wow. Or maybe she was nominated. She was just I think nominated. she was nominated. I don't think she won. She was just nominated. But still, I mean, can you believe this power couple? I know. Well, here's another juicy tidbit that, that we did not... Is that a fidget spinner in your hand? Do you have a fidget spinner in your hand, Michael? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I gotta you. tell you. I love a fitness spinner. Yeah. I have yeah. I have four. My God. I it it helps me. I am No, a, I'm not judging you. I was all up on the fidget spinner thing for a bit. Yeah, I have two at my desk at work and I have two here. I don't know where my other one is right now, but I just I liked I'm a fidgety person and when I have one in my hand I can focus on something and not and have something to do with my hands. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um I know you don't judge me. It's just that we have a huge, huge audience, and I just I don't know. want all of them to judge me. Yeah. Well, um, they anyway, are, so not now because I explained it. And I got news for you. We all know who the bad guy on this podcast is after today. <laughs> <laughs> like, if we really ever did get fans, I would be, It'd be in some the, hot in water. troll city. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> um, here's a, a juicy little tidbit that we did not catch when we talked about 
um, Thelma and Louise the first time. And yeah. Thelma and Louise is coming back up, even though it was episode one and we're now on episode five. It's just that Thelma and Louise is like talked about a lot when talking about this movie because those are his two like big, big roles. Yeah. It's just Thelma and Louise. So it keeps coming up. That's why we keep having to talk about it. But um, there was a rumor. Um, well, Brad Pitt and um, what's her name? Uh, Juliette Lewis. Lewis broke up for two months in the middle <gasps> of their relationship, which is something that we did not catch before. I did not catch that. What was your source on this? It was just like some article in like the Chicago Tribune. That well, I Pitt, choose to believe it. I'll send you. I'll send it to you. Yeah, it's they broke up for a couple of months and Brad Pitt said it. He's like, yeah, well, you know, like it's hard when you're we're both working and, you know, you're in the industry. It's just when you spend time apart, things get tough. And we hit a rough period where we uh, we split for a couple of months. But, you know, we we worked it out. And I was like, "Ooh, juicy. And then there was also on top of that, there was a rumor that there was an off screen romance between Brad Pitt and. And Gina Davis. After. There's no question, no question in my mind about that. I, d- I, I a, agree. I think I am a hundred percent convinced that that's the case. For sure, I think that was the first time Brad Pitt was like, "Oh shit!" When I have like a sex scene with somebody in a movie, uh, I it comes from a little bit of a real place. And I because, date them. And then I date them. And then, everyone he's ever dated, he's starred in a movie with. Yeah. So I think Ooh, I, Brad. I think that this whole thing with Gina Davis and their brief split. I think there's something there, I think. Michael, I want to know more about Brad himself. Like, what is he like? Who is this guy? Please, people, if you have any information. Well, he's information. purposely mysterious. But that's what's he's so He's mysterious crazy. on purpose. He's mysterious, but he's also all over the place everywhere. Like, I feel like you don't have to always be in the tabloids. There are people who are equally as famous and mysterious who, like, are not on every cover of every magazine dating really high-profile people high profile you know? Yeah, All I'm I saying is, sense. to our multitudes of listeners, if yeah. you know anything about who he is as a person, please let us know. Because I really want to start talking about him and the movies he's in. I think I think that we talked about him pretty good this time. I think we talked a lot about him. I mean, ultimately, the best way to get a sense of who he is is to watch interviews with him, which there are increasingly more and more. Yeah, we're going to start to have a lot more. Yeah, and it's easier to kind of get a sense of like what he is like and like, it's what's also weird is that so many so much that when I think of him, so much of it is him like on the red carpet posing for pictures mm-hmm. with his current love. Yeah, uh, whoever she may interest. be. Yeah. And it's really so I bought a box of people magazines on eBay from the nineties, just like a box from the nineties. And most of them are in the late I couldn't pick which ones I wanted, obviously. He's on two covers. Um, oh. Most of them are from the late nineties though. So the earliest one, which I'll be about next week, is from nineteen ninety three. Mm, is he in it at all? Cover of that one. I don't know. I haven't opened it, but I'll look for, for the Ooh, next. That's exciting. You might want to get a box too, actually. I can tell you the guy, and then maybe we can have a portion. He has multiples? Her. Oh, tons. The same guy. Oh. He has, I guess. Can we ask him it. for a specific Brad Pitt once? I'm going to email him. Anywho, let's rate, let's rate this movie. Do our. Okay, let's do, let's do the ratings. Um. Why don't you start? Tell me tell me what your rating of the movie itself was. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Oh, one note that I had. Okay, I forgot to mention this. Um, Entertainment Weekly also gives ratings, and mm-hmm. I am forever going to be <laughs> mad at them because they gave Too Young to Die an A. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And that kind of made me furious. What did they give um, this one? 
a B plus. They gave Too Young to Die an A. Maybe exactly. that's like television that versus cine- like versus film. No, they reviewed it as a movie. They reviewed it as a film. That's bullshit. I have it's a couple so other scores. Um, oh, okay. The audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is eighty three percent. The tomato okay. meter on Rotten Tomatoes is eighty one percent. Okay. IMDb awards it three and a half out of five stars. So I'm going to stick with my seven and a half. I think it's a good movie. I think we're a little bit um, jaded because it it is dated a bit by the 90s. I think if it was made now, it would be like a 10. A little bit more of a thinker. A little bit more... um, Maybe. If if they got rid of the narration and figured out a way to tell the story without narration, I might like it more. And maybe kept the Indian chick around for a little bit longer. Or cut her out completely. Yeah. Um, I w- I'm going to give it a five. Okay. It's not as because, bad as I thought you were going to give it. Well, because I recognize that it is – it's it's pr- it's pretty well done. The cinematography is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I might take it down to a four and a half because – Yeah, that's what I was thinking for you. Because – the casting was okay. Brad Pitt was pretty good. There was no really like amazing acting performance and the story wasn't really that compelling. I mean, it was, they just, they're the continuity errors and the fact that they dropped the storyline with the native American girlfriend and like, yeah, I don't know. I, feel you. I have a nostalgic feeling towards this movie that I think ups the score a little bit. Cause yeah, I remember really loving fine. it when I was a kid. Yeah, and I think in terms of like no really great acting performances, I think that's what I liked about it because I think it was all pretty subtle. Even though it did seem like Brad Pitt was like overacting, and again, mm-hmm. I can't tell if that's because we're paying too much attention to him. I think that the lack of big, yeah, the lack of like big acting, I think I really like, and I like in general. But yeah. I'm also like a person that really likes slow dramas, like yeah. English Patience and Cold Mountains, and like long epic boring epics like that i'm just like give me a fucking 800 page novel about world war ii and i am the happiest girl on the planet you know (laughs) so we're gonna vary in these regards so sometimes we won't agree and i i love a good like upbeat like action like i love something that has a strong pace Mm -hmm. like you could almost have a um thing that makes noise metronome (laughs) <laughs> metronome i like yeah, that's how they learn to fly fish with the metronome yeah and i think that there's something to be said about about filmmaking a, a movie that has a good beat to it a good pace i fully, I fully agree i fully which agree. is why i love a movie like oceans 11 or pulp fiction where the movie is like it it, it just goes it propels itself yeah i yeah. agree with you i mean i fully agree with you i just am saying like i'm not like movies that people consider boring i generally really like mm. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Okay, so you give it a, a seven and a half. I give it a, a four and a half, um, which is not to say that it's a terrible movie. No, I, just, I know. We've, I, we've I, talked it through. Yeah. Um, okay, and then what do you give Brad Pitt individually for his his performance, acting? I think this is the best he's done yet. I'm going to give him okay. a six. A six? So, I'm going to give I him a go... seven and a half. Oh, okay. I, I'll give him a six. I think he did pretty good. He did pretty good, and I think, I think also he, he took it seriously, which you can tell. He, he's not a 10 or a 9 or an 8 because you can tell how seriously he's taking it, which detracts from the acting itself. But there's a couple moments where I really believe him 
And I really love him. I love his character. He's sweet. I think this is the first time we've seen like a truly like sweet person without an alter ulterior motive, I guess. It's true. No, it's, you're right. Cause Johnny Swade was, had a sweetness to him, but it was a dumb sweetness. And like, he was, had a big ulterior motive. Yeah. And, and across the tracks he had, he had a sweetness to him, but it was flawed. like, but it was like super flawed. Cause he was, he was, um, competitive competing. And it was a little misguided. Yeah, yeah. no, I, you're right. This, I think he did a pretty good job here. I think he was obviously trying his very hardest. And I think that what makes Brad Pitt su- such a, like a sexy actor and like a sexy performer is his how he can effortlessly, effortlessly do some things. And his effortless um, performance in – Delma and Louise was what made him so fun to watch in that. And this totally. seemed like he was trying pretty hard, mm-hmm. um, which is why I think he lost a couple of points for me. Is because like I felt like I could see him trying. Yeah. Um, but also I think that it's it's early developmental part of his career and it's a big part. So it, it's – I think it wasn't bad. It just It's a six. I agree. Um, and I have to say that I know – because I've been feeling this way for the last couple of movies where I can see him acting outside of Delma and Louise. Yeah. Um. I know that's got to change at some point. And so I'm excited to see that the next episode we talk where we're like, wow, he like fucking rocked it. You know? Yeah. I know he does that. I know he will. Yeah, he does. He totally he gets does. gets a little bit more confidence. Yeah. Insecurity in the fact, and like, he's not so insecure about his, the fact that he's gorgeous. Yeah. And like, totally. he just accepts that it's part of what he brings to the table as an actor. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, How about his, okay. Those high-waisted pants. The oh, 1920s no. really suited his ass. Yes, they really. And his hair. His ass and his hair looked great. Yeah, I was going to give his hair like a solid seven and a half or eight. Like it, it just looks good. I think this movie across the board for me is just a, a chock full of seven and a half ratings. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, he has that like. Yeah, it's his hair. He has looks that good. river. He has dry like nineteen twenties hair, but then he he has that that in that scene when he catches the big fish and the sun's like glinting off of him and, and he's got like half. It's just like he's like wet, and you're like, damn! Like I'll yeah. get into the I'll jump into the river. You can catch me like one of your fish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm starting to think that somebody wrote the movie because. Remember how you said that Brokeback Mountain, um, he was optioned to be cast in Brokeback Mountain? Mm-hmm. I think that somebody wrote the entire movie of Brokeback Mountain after watching Brad Pitt in Thelma and Louise and this movie. Because in Thelma and Louise, he was a cowboy, hot as hell. And this, he was fishing and yeah. made it look, he made fishing look sexy. And what do they do in Brokeback Mountain? Oh my god! Well, don't even get me started. I rewatched that the other day, and I sob, sob, sob. But it's an interesting thing. Um, when I was reading interviews about this movie, he was like, he said it something like, "It's really hard to go to work. I grew up in Missouri. Lots of rivers, lots of lakes, mountains, and trees." He was like, "So going to work every day, it sort of like reminded me of my childhood, which I thought was interesting." Yeah, totally. Okay, well, I think that's all that I have to say. That's all I have to say about that movie. I really liked it, and I hope that people watch it. Um, next week we have California with a K. Yeah, which he plays a killer, I think. 
He plays a killer alongside none other than his girlfriend at the time. Juliette Lewis. Juliette Lewis. And guess who else is in it? David do motherfucking Coveney. Who's that? Sorry. Um, Mulder. Fox Mulder. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Hottest person. I'm going to, I mean, this next episode is just going to be me gushing about all the hottie bodies. Um, this is 93 though. This is the last year that he and Juliette Lewis are together. So also, it's the first year of my life. And it's the first year of your little life. Let's talk about your birth story. Talk about um, it on next week. Tune in next for week. my birth story. <laughs> Starring Brad Pitt. Starring Brad Pitt. <laughs> Michael Ober is played by Brad Pitt. Okay, that's all for This, this is, the is the Bits. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, so thanks for listening to episode five of This is the Pits. Um, I thought it was good. Next week, we're doing California with a K, starring Bradley Pitt and David Duchovny. You're not going to want to miss that one. You can find it on the internet. Just Google stream California with a K. Don't forget. Uh, follow us on socials. We are This is the Pits Pod on Twitter and at the Pits Pod on Instagram. And email us if you have any Quellman's questions or concerns at thisisthepitspod at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.